Uh, Happy New Year. Haven't seen you guys since last year. We'll do better. We'll do better than that, okay? We'll do better, but uh, you, knew, you knew it was coming. Um, we're going to be kind of all over the Bible this morning, but we're going to stop and, and kind of spend a lot of time in 2 Kings. And so if you want to turn to 2 Kings chapter 22, that's where we're going to launch from this morning. Uh, we'll be in Micah for a little bit as well um, towards, the, towards the end of the message. Um, but, but I, but I want to start off by talking about my fear for this message today. Um, I've been excited, I've been ready to preach this message for about six weeks now or so, maybe a little bit longer than that, but um, my fear for this message today, because we're going to talk about really two things. Number one, we're going to talk about our view of the Bible. Number two, we're going to talk about the priority of the Bible. And my fear in that is whenever we start really talking about the Bible, um, we my fear in that is that we kind of check out and say, oh, this is boring, right? This is boring. And, and so I want to caution you to that, to give me, my, Micah said that uh, I was so ready to preach this morning that she thought I was going to preach for about four hours today. So my, my request is just give me the next four hours, okay, to, to, to talk to talk to you about the priority of the Bible and the importance of the Bible in your life. And, and I want to, at the end of this, invite you on a journey with me to rediscover the greatness of God through His Word. To rediscover the greatness of God, or maybe to discover for the first time the greatness of God through his word. So let's start in 2 Kings chapter 22. And, and just to preface this, the names um, here, there's a lot of them. They're, they're a little difficult. I tried to practice them um, for you so that I could get them right. But sometimes it's just better natural, right? And so, um, but King Josiah began a project here in 2 Kings, just to bring you up to speed, give you a little bit of context, to restore the rundown, cluttered temple that had been deserted during Manasseh, King Manasseh's evil reign. And during the renovation, Hilkiah, okay, the high priest, found a copy of the book of the Law of Moses, the equivalent in that time to the Scriptures. He carried the scrolls to Shaphan, the scribe, who read the scrolls, reported to the, the, the find to the king that they had found them, and read them to him. And the result of them finding the scriptures, having them read to the king at that time, was revival. So let's look at it. Uh, we're going to start actually uh, 22. Let's start in verse uh, 3. In the 18th year... Of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah. Let's just call it Azaliah, okay? All right, because that's that's a nice southern anyway. Son of Meshulam, the secretary to the house of the Lord, saying, "Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house, that has been brought into the house um, of the Lord." which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. And let it be given into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord, repairing the house, that is, to the carpenters and to the builders and to the masons. 
and let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money that is delivered into their hand, for they deal honestly. And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was, in the house, that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who, had, who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. We're not going to do that this morning. I pray that's not your response to hearing the book today. But verse 12, And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Achbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary, and Asiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. To do according to all that is written concerning us. Because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. To do according to all that is written concerning us. Now, when it comes to the Bible, okay, we're going to get pretty practical this morning because last year, 2022, um, I, did, I did something that I haven't done in a while, and I did it kind of quietly at first, and then the impact of it just kind of took over, and it became something that I just started talking about. Christmas of 2021, so two Christmases ago now, uh, under my Christmas tree was this book, and it was a Bible, and it was the best thing I received for Christmas in, in 2021. I don't really remember much else. We don't, anyway, um, and, and I received this, and uh, we spent New Year's last year in Cape Cod, and I remember driving home from Cape Cod. I wasn't driving and reading at the same time. Kristen was driving, and I was in the passenger seat. And I read Genesis 1 and 2, just like I did this morning, and Matthew chapter 1, just like I did this morning on 95, headed home. And yesterday, um, in the afternoon, I finished the Italian prophet Malachi. <laughs> read all of Malachi yesterday. And Revelation 22, and read the entire thing in 365 days. Now, let me tell you what I didn't do. Okay, I did not have a set time and place where I read every day. And don't tell the person next to you, but there were a couple of days that I missed and had to catch up. Wow, such disappointment on the front row in your pastor. But as I finished reading yesterday and accomplishing this, it became my hope for each and every one of you. And so the whole message this morning is a testimony of a year 
of reading this book. Because as a pastor, I've got, to conf- I've got to confess to you this morning, if that's okay, that there have been years where the only time that I cracked this book was searching, begging God for something to say on Sunday morning. It was the only time I read it. It was the only time that my Bible was cracked. And that's sad. And as I was talking with the folks, you know, Robin and Matt and some other folks that as we were praying for the, for the service today down here, you know, I, I liken it to thinking about a surfer. I like thinking about surfers in the wintertime because, you know, warmth and, and, and all of those things. Um, which I guess that's not really a thing, because if you're really a dedicated surfer, you surf 365 days a year, and that, that, that probably goes into this illustration, right? But if, but if I told you I'm a surfer, and I'm not, that balance went about 20 years ago. Um, but if I, if I told you I was a surfer, you would be able to assume some things about me, right? Like what? Whoa. All right, one at a time. That I like the water. What else? That I can swim. What else? That I've got good balance. Right? What else? That I own a board. Right? That I own a surfboard or two or three. Right? Because you've got to have the long board, the short board, you know, the backup boards, all, all of that. Right? And, and so, you know, and what's that? Not afraid of sharks. That also takes me out of surfing. Not only the balance thing. Right? One more. That I know how to maintain the board, right? And keep it polished and what, whatever surfers do, right? <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly. So you can discover a couple of things here. Number one, I don't surf. Don't know much about it. I've seen the movie Soul Surfer. <laughs> but that's about it, okay? Uh, and Jaws, but that's not really a surfing movie. Okay, anyway, I digress, right? I fear that many of the problems that we face as the church of 2023 now is because there are some things that we should be able to just count as done in the life of the church. One of them being that if you're a believer in Jesus, you have a relationship with the Bible. And I fear that that's not so. I fear our relationship with the Bible may be fractured, may be surface level at best. And, and, and let me tell you what I'm not doing this morning. I don't want to take this Bible and, 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 and beat us upside the head with it this morning, but I do, I do have a conviction that if we are a church of Jesus Christ, we ought to want to know Him. And we ought to want to be in this book. Somehow, some way. Now, you don't have to do 
what I've done, and we're going to get to this more in just a few minutes, but you don't have to do what I've done this year and read two or three chapters of the Old Testament every day and a chapter of the New Testament and have it broken up and all of that. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here this morning and that would just be too much. Maybe you just need to do a, a New Testament, or I'm going to post a link this afternoon that I got in an email last night that's a, that's a different Bible reading plan that is just awesome and phenomenal and has a little bit of everything every day so that you don't get stuck in books like Leviticus and Numbers and, and, and things like that for too long. And it's, it's, it's powerful. There's many, many ways to read this book. And I want to talk to you today about the importance of reading the book. And so in our story in 2 Kings, right, the first thing that they did and the first thing that's important for us to do is verse 8, they had to go find the book, right? They had to go find the book. Now, hopefully you have a book. We were at Johnny and Friends in North Carolina recently in the last couple of years, and, uh, and, and Ezra, my, my seven-year-old boy, was in, the, was, in the, uh, was in the children's ministry there, and they were talking to Ezra about the Bible. And, and they showed Ezra a Bible, and they said, your daddy probably has bunches of these books at home. And Ezra's like, nope. Nope. And here I am, the pastor of this retreat, right, preaching the Bible, and my son is telling the entire children's ministry folks at Johnny and Friends, nope, daddy doesn't own a Bible. Daddy does not have a Bible, right? And, and so we had to have a conversation that Bibles look different. They're different colors, right? Daddy's doesn't look like everybody else's looks maybe, right? But daddy does own a Bible and has, you know, has read it and all of that. And it was, it was pretty funny, right? But they had to go find the book. And my question for you this morning is what place and priority does the Bible have in your life? What place and priority does the Bible have in your life? Is it a manual for living or is it, a, is, is it stuff with keepsakes and gathering dust somewhere in your home? I read this a couple weeks ago, a woman wanting to impress the pastor when he came to visit said to her little girl, honey, go get the book that mommy loves so much. You can tell how old this illustration is in just a second. The little girl soon returned carrying the new Sears catalog. <laughs> go find the book. What place does the book hold in your life? There, there have not been, um, I mean, this, this thing has traveled with me everywhere this past year. Everywhere. Everywhere I've gone, this has gone with me. It's got, um, it's got little inserts um, from funerals I've done this year, from weddings I've done this year. It's got some capital campaign information in here. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a guide of 2022 for me. And one day, when one of my kids gets this, they'll be able to see, because I've got 2022 written on here, they'll be able to see what 2022 was like for Daddy. Um, Camp 207, I preached through the book of Jonah. And I, I was thumbing through Jonah this past week and looked at all of the notes, all of the notes. And someday, when my kids read Jonah, they'll have four or five messages right in the book of Jonah that, that are ready for them to preach whenever they want. 
What place does the Bible have in your life? And in the story in 2 Kings, they had, to, they had to find the book amidst the clutter, amidst the, amidst the ruins as they were rebuilding this temple. And they found the book. And then the second thing they had to do, read the book. The secretary told the king, the high priest has given me the book, and Shaphan read it before the king. They had to read the book. Not only find the book, they had to read the book. They didn't only find the book, but they also read it and rejoiced to hear its words. How are you with the instructions? When you assemble things, do you look for the instruction manual? Do you find the instruction manual? Now, I know some of you guys may want my man card here. But that is the first thing I look for. Here's why. Because I don't like to waste any more time doing it on my own. Right? And so, and so I, I know some of you guys are like, no, 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 no. Instruction books, no, they're, they're, they're not for me, right? And that's my fear for us when it comes to the Christian life is we're trying to live life as a Christian and we're not even looking at the instruction manual. We're not even looking at the inspiration behind the whole thing. We're just trying to put the piece of Ikea furniture together, which isn't really an instruction manual anyway. It's just like stick figure drawings that make no sense. There's no words, right? And we're, and we're trying to put this thing together blindly. We've got to read the book. And then lastly, we see here the conviction of the king saying, Obey the book. Obey the book. Obey the book. So, for the rest of our time, I want us to think about finding the book, reading the book, and most of all, obeying the book, because what happened in this time, in this story of 2 Kings, is it led to revival, change. We saw that in the book of Jonah, in the story of Jonah, right? Return to the Lord. Maybe, just maybe, he'll relent from his anger. So, to take this a little bit deeper, and maybe a little bit more practical for us this morning, I want to talk about our view of the Bible. Truth. Capital T, Truth. Right? The Bible, when it comes to Summit Church, we believe that the Bible is the ultimate, absolute truth. Look at your neighbor and say, it's truth. Okay. I'll give you a B there. Okay? It has a lot to say to us. It has a lot to say about us. It explains why life is hard. The Bible keeps it real. It's active. It's alive. 66 books, 40 plus authors, and yet one unified story of redemption. It starts with creation, then we have fall, then we have redemption, recreation, and it's all about Jesus. Living, true God, coming for us, saving us. Jesus didn't show up to make your life better. He came to give you real life. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Romans 10, 17, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We believe that the Bible is the supreme authority. Supreme authority. And here's what we can't do. 
We can't treat the Bible like our flashlight where it can shine on certain things and not others. Or I like, to, I like to talk about it like a buffet, where I like this, I like this, but I'm, I, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to touch that. And that's hard, isn't it? Because, because we can't pick and choose where the Bible is relevant or not. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. I read in Revelation 22 yesterday where it talks about taking away or adding things to the book, and there's some pretty intense consequences for that. Hold fast to the Bible. Know it. We can't take the Bible and force it to say what we want it to. Wouldn't that be nice? Because in my limited wisdom, I don't like some of what the Bible says. It makes me feel a certain way. And that's probably true for all of us. If we're honest with ourselves, right? If we're honest with each other, there's some things that the Bible says that we go, ah, really? I mean, I can, I'll put that on my plate, but I'm only going to eat it if you make me to, right? (laughs) Kind of like broccoli or celery or anything else green, Right? My limited wisdom, I don't like some of what it says, but here's the deal. I'm not the truth. I'm not the judge. And when things like that happen, that's where cults come from. When we try to twist the Bible and make it say what we want it to or what we think it should. And so that's the, that's our view of the Bible. Now I want to talk to you about the priority of the Bible. Okay, you good? All right, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All Scripture, all Scripture, everybody say all, is, this a little better, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. This is huge for us. For reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Hebrews 4, 12. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible is different. It knows us. The Bible's wisdom. Greatest treasure. Yet it says it has a lot to say about our here and now. It's not outdated And we're going to be held accountable for its word, for its words. Reading the Bible, hands down, hands down, hands down, reading the Bible is the best way to fight sin. Best way. Best way to fight temptation. Best way. And most of us don't prioritize it the way that we should. Many of us uh, fight to keep it in our schools, yet for most of us, we like the idea of the Bible more than we like the ideas of the Bible. We don't read it. We don't treasure it. We don't submit to it. We don't apply it. We don't, tr- we don't cherish it. And therefore, we cannot obey it. I believe with all that is in me that we can't be a healthy and growing Christian if we aren't reading it consistently, systematically, and daily. Consistent, systematic, and daily. 
See, let me, let me expound a little bit on what I was talking about earlier. See, I, I, used, to, I used to read you know, devotionals, and, and, and there, are many, there are many, many, many great devotionals out there. And please, don't hear this as me knocking devotionals. I'm telling you my story. And my story isn't everybody's story in the room. I'm just reporting to you about my story and a little bit of a life change that's happened to me over the past year. There was something that happened to me a few years ago where I just got disenchanted and quite frankly frustrated with a lot of devotionals out there. Because I felt like, I felt like they were all saying the same exact thing. And, and there was this whole frustration that I had with like Christian authors and, and all of these different things that, that were happening. And so I just got disenchanted with all things like Christian writing and kind of, be, kind of felt like, you know what, they're just trying to make a buck. I could write a book and pay off the building, right? And like just kind of, just kind of got really like stubborn and frustrated, to be honest with you. And so for me to, to wake up every morning and know that before I went to bed, that there was something out there for me that I needed to read. And I know, I know, I know we talk about all the time around here. Don't, don't just check a box. But for me, I needed that. I needed a box to check. I needed a place to go because every time a devotional ended for me, it was like, okay, well, which one do I start now? Right? Or where do I go now? Or what do I do next? And so then I would just end up taking like two, two months off or you know, two weeks off or two years off, right? And just right? <laughs> and, and, not, and not diving back into anything. And so having a card that said, you know what? Okay, today, Matthew 1, Genesis 1 and 2, Genesis 3 and 4, tomorrow, 3, 5, tomorrow, Matthew 2, tomorrow. It gave me a systematic approach to working through something that was not for preaching. But you know what happened? As the Bible stirred in me, almost everything that I read this past year came out at some point. Came out at some point. God spoke to me through the book of Micah a few weeks ago. You're going to hear a little bit of it at the end of the message today. That, that, that I'd never experienced before. The Psalms over the summer just washed me in ways that were beautiful. And I want you to experience that. Now, systematic, yes. Daily, consistent, yes. But it took discipline. It took discipline. I'm trying to remind you of what is essential and foundational for your life. And there was a point in time where I made a decision and I determined to like it. That point in your life where you realize, I need to eat vegetables. And so you determine to like them. Whether it's enough ranch that you bathe it in, or cheese with broccoli, or if you're a peanut butter and celery person, right, and you're justifying the entire gif of peanut butter with one stick of celery, not healthy. You're ruining it, right? But I determined at some point that I was going to like it. And guess what? I did. I like vegetables that aren't fried. Who knew? Who knew? 
right? I determined I was going to like it. And guess what? I did. I did. And I got to that place with the Bible where it was like, okay, I've missed a couple days. Maybe this is done. I said, no, you know what? No, I'm going to do this. And I determined to do it. And then it got to a place in like September, October, where the, where the competitive spirit, the athlete in me took over. And I was like, okay, there's too many check marks to stop now, right? I've got to fill this thing out. And to complete it yesterday was beautiful. But I determined to like it because we will drift towards trouble if we're not anchored towards the book. That's what happens with each and every one of us. There are times in our lives that we would rather quit than commit. Isn't there? It's easier to just quit. It's easier to just quit. It's easier to hit the reset button. It's easier to quit that church instead of press through and see what glory God has on the other side. It's easier to quit that relationship than to press through and and realize a depth of love that you didn't know existed. It's easier to quit then commit. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Psalm 27, 4, one thing I've asked of the Lord, one thing I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That, that, that verse there from Psalm 27 says, all the days of my life, not just on Sundays between 10 and 11.30 or whenever preacher stops talking. Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How beautiful would that be if we felt, if we all felt that way about the Bible? Let's commit together to stay in the scriptures until we find deep and abiding joy and refreshment there. I've got news for you. And this might burst, this might pop a bubble for you this morning. But one thing I've learned by reading the scriptures this past year is I'm not good enough to wing it. We're not good enough to wing it. We're not good enough to wing it. When we read it and feel like we haven't gotten anything out of it, you know what we've learned? Humility. Because it's not about you. It's not about you. Rest in that he is and you aren't. He must guide me. He must guide me. And so I want to close in reading a verse to you that just blew me away a couple weeks ago. Micah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And it shall be lifted up above the hills, and the peoples shall flow from it. I love the mountains. Anybody else? Anybody else? Love the mountains. Verse 2. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And as I was reading that a couple weeks ago, again, systematically, consistently, reading through the book of Micah, 
and, 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 and just, just unpacking it. And as I got to verse 2 and read, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. To the house of the God of Jacob. I immediately thought of, right? There, there, there's things that you read in the scriptures and, and, and you immediately think of them. Anytime I read house of God, anytime I read house of the Lord, or anything like that, I think of what? Church, right? The gathering, the gathering of believers, the ecclesia, the church, the body. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. Because for me, this is that, right? This is that, a gathering where we're going to go to the house of God. Why? The purpose of the church, right here in Micah chapter 4, that he may teach us his ways. That he may teach us his ways. Not that Pastor Travis, not that Ian, not that, not that Dylan, not that Zan, not that, not, not that they may teach us the, the ways of God, but that he may teach us his ways and that we may, in response, walk in his paths. Everyone who professes to know Jesus should be driven by desire into his presence. And as the bride of Christ, as his church, it is our privilege to get to know Jesus in a real and intimate way. It is our privilege to get to know Jesus in a real and intimate way. And so my invitation is simple. In 2023, come. Let's go up to the mountain. There's, there's going to be some things that happen this year. They're going to be awesome. They're going to, they're going to be awesome. We're going to move into a building. I was, in, I was in there the other night. I was in there Friday night. Got home from road trip, vacation. And decided I wanted to go check out progress and I walked in there and y'all it's I said y'all can you spell out, can you tell I spent a week in Tennessee this past week that southern's just back it's starting to get real in there it's starting to get, we're gonna move in there this year we're gonna move in there now for the person that immediately just thought when what day this year this year, some point, we're moving in there. That's going to be incredible. There's going to be things that we're, we're going to have new church members this year. Some of you sitting in here, you'll, you'll leave us this year. You'll experience heartbreak. We'll lose some people to heaven. We'll gain some people. But as for me, no matter what happens this year, I'm going up to the mountain. And I hope you'll come with me. For as long as I get to be your pastor, and I count it like top five deepest privileges in my life to be your pastor. Probably four, if we're getting specific. As long as I get to be your pastor, I want, I want to go up to the mountain with you. 
every Sunday morning, every time we get together, that we get to talk about what God is doing in our lives. That we get to talk about what we're experiencing on the mountain together. Moses in the book of Exodus, one of my favorite passages of all time, where he's frustrated with the Israelites, he goes to God in his frustration, right? And God's, God's, ready, to, God's ready to wipe out the Israelites, start over with Moses, which sounds like a pretty sweet deal for Moses. I can't tell you how many times I, I, I say to God, let's just wipe, I mean, I mean, start over with me. I'm awesome. These guys, no, like, let's go, right? But Moses is like, no, God, you can't do that. You can't do that. What, what will they say of you, right? What will they say of you? I mean, I was on the interstate the other day thinking, God, you could just wipe all of these people out. It would be amazing. But he didn't do it. And, and Moses says to God, God, I'm going to lead your people. But I'm not leaving here until you show me your glory. Moses was on the mountain. And and he said to God, I'm not leaving here until you show me your glory. I say it all the time, that God meets us at the level of our expectation. My prayer is this year, as we come to the mountain week after week, as we come to the scriptures day after day, that we would say to God with an expectancy, God, I'm not leaving here. I'm not leaving this moment. I'm not leaving this keyboard. I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving this pulpit. I'm not, le- I'm not leaving this seat until you show me your glory. Please show me your glory. Come, let us go up to the mountain. Number two, last thing I want to tell you. For God will teach us his ways. For God will teach us his ways. For God will teach us his ways. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says this. I'm going to start back in verse 6. Paul tells Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you've followed. Have nothing to do. You ready for this? Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. We ain't got time for that. Right? We don't, we, don't have, we don't have time for that. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Train yourself for godliness. Some of you maybe made some resolutions, or if you don't like the word resolution, you, may, you, you might have made some promises to yourself, right? Promises that you more than likely make to yourself every, every year, right? I'm going to eat less sugar, right? I'm going to, you know, no more ice cream, no more meals, right? No, you know, I'm going to run more. I'm going to walk more. I'm going to be more active. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. What may we train ourselves for godliness, Because what Paul tells Timothy, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. And I'm going to make you three promises. Number one, it's not automatic. It's not automatic. You're you're probably not going to sit there over the next couple of weeks with your Bible and just say, oh, I love this. That doesn't come till like July. 
Okay, you got to get through the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, get into Joshua, it gets a little better, and then, and then you get into some of the minor prophets, and it really gets juicy. Okay? Not to mention the New Testament. It's not automatic. But you know what else isn't automatic? Getting up on that surfboard for the first time. You know what else isn't automatic? Being great at your profession. You know what else isn't automatic? Being a good husband, father. Being able to be a good friend, pastor. None of that's automatic. This isn't either. Being a child of God is not automatic. Number two, it's a process. And number three, it takes discipline. Would you be willing to decide with me today? Would you be willing to decide with me today? I'm going to do this. Some version of this. I'm going to be in the scriptures. Like I said, we'll, we'll post a couple more plans today that one of them was sent to me last night. Awesome. I loved it. This is the plan I've chosen. And it was kind of chosen for me. Because the last thing I want to talk about is the support system that I had. See, I did something about 13, 14 months ago. I joined a pastor's group based out of Tennessee. Got somebody from Florida. We just had somebody sign on from North Carolina. They're the most expensive friends I've ever paid for. And I didn't even pay for them. The most expensive friends you've ever bought me. But as part of this pastor's group, it was the expectation that we would read the Bible together. And it was kind of an unwritten thing. But as I got on a call with them every other week, I knew that I was going to look some guys in the face via Google Meet. That I was going to gather with some guys in Tennessee, and I was going to gather on a retreat in Florida. I was going to gather with them back in Tennessee the first week of November. And the, and, and the expectation was, and we, we, we didn't really even talk about it because it was just an expectation. It was an unwritten thing that if I was going to be a part of that, that I was going to be in the Scriptures. You got to tell you something? It was so much better together. And I'm excited. I'm excited this year to read the Bible with you. I'm excited to go to lunch with you in March and, and, and us be reading the Bible together and, and for you to tell me what you got out of the Scriptures that morning. And, and hopefully, chances are, the same passage that, that, that we read together. And we'll be able to talk about it. Or if you read something different, you can tell me what you got out of it. Right? And I can tell you what I got out of it. But as a church, as a body of Christ, again, this is not a legalism, this is not a legalistic thing where I'm just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just tell, I'm just asking you, like, hey, let's be the body of Christ together. And in order to be the body of Christ, we ought to want to know Christ together. Like, these are the conversations we should be having. What are we getting out of Scripture together? Not, did you like the music today? Not complaining about whatever else we can complain about. But hey, what did you get out of Scripture? What does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about that? That's why from time to time, 
Um, I, I, I called Russ, my friend Russ. Russ, wave your hand just real quick in case those of you don't know, know Russ. Okay, this is, this is Russ. I called Russ a few weeks ago, and Russ is notorious for this. And I was sharing with Russ about an issue that I was having, a frustration I was having, because I just wanted Russ to fix it. Right? And, and Russ asked me the question that I didn't want to hear, but that he knew I needed. And he said, what does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible say about what you're dealing with? And so I hung up on him. <laughs> called him back a few minutes later. That's not true. We talked for about 40 minutes. And I was sitting in the Aroma Joe's parking lot. And we talked about, it's that, it's that verse you've quoted to me probably 50 times over the last 9 or 10 years. Be patient with the weak. Admonish the idle. No, not patient with the weak. It's be patient with them all, right? But that verse, admonish the weak, encourage the idle, be patient with them all. And I was like, oh, I needed that. And my prayer for Summit Church in 2023 is that we would be the church, not based on good ideas that you have, our good ideas that we've seen work in other places. There's probably a place for some of that, but my prayer is deeper than that, more than that, is that we would be a church based on what are we getting out of the Word of God? Corporately, that's why we're going to preach the Bible. I can't wait. We're going to dive into Nehemiah in a few weeks. We're going to go into Colossians and Ephesians this year, and, and who knows where we'll go from that. I, I'm excited to dive into the Scriptures with you corporately, together, from this pulpit. But more than that, What are you getting out of the scriptures daily for you? What's God saying to you through his word this week? That's my prayer for you. And so as Matt and Robin come and prepare to do another song for us in closing, I just want to encourage you with that. It takes discipline. But would you join me Let's go up on the mountain. Let's let God teach us His ways. And so as we sing together this morning, there's ways that we can do that. There's Bible reading plans out there. We'll, we'll post some more. We'll email some more out. We'll have some more maybe next Sunday. right? But, but just today, Genesis 1 and 2, Matthew 1, Let's read the Bible together. Let's read the Bible together. Let's see what God does as we press into Him and look to experience Him on a deeper level than maybe we ever have before. And for some of you that have done this before, somebody walked in this morning, hey, this will be my third time. Awesome. I think this will be my 11th time, I think, in the email I received last night or something like that. This, this, this would be my you know, 50th time, what, whatever. Awesome. Because you know what I found? Is that every time I read those passages I've read before, it's amazing how God will just give me something new out of it. 
We preach the Christmas message every year, don't we? We preach the Easter message every year. And a few years ago, I was, I was frustrated because I was like, you know, how do you make this new every year for people? You know the truth? You don't. You don't. It's like when my kids look at me and say, you know what, Daddy, I love you. Oh, you, you told me that yesterday. You told me that yesterday. I don't need to hear. I don't need to hear that anymore. Or, or you know what? I, pre- I appreciate you. Yeah, you told me that. Never gets old, does it? Never gets old. Never gets old. Never gets old. And I pray that's what the Bible is for you. So God, today, I'm thankful for your word. Deeply thankful for your word. And I pray that more than anything this morning, you would press on our hearts a desire, a need to be in your word. Help us as we are weak, but you're strong. Stir in us a passion for the things of you. We want to go up to the mountain. We want to learn from you. We want to soak in from you. And I pray that we would do it. I pray that we would do it together. I'm okay, God, with being known as the Bible guy, the Bible church. I'd rather be known for that than any other thing. And so, God, as we shift potentially today. I pray that you bless it, that you would be honored by your people corporately and individually as we focus deeper still on you. In Jesus' name we pray.